This is a podcast of Dr. Jim Bennett's talk from the 21st of March. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out this evening. So I'm very pleased to introduce uh, Dr. Jim Bennett, who is going to be our speaker for this evening. Professor Bennett is a uh, Emeritus Fellow of Lineker College and until very recently was the Director of the History of Science Museum here in Oxford. And tonight he's going to be leading a discussion about what we want from a museum here in Oxford. So I think it should be a very interesting discussion. So I will now pass it over to Dr. Bennett. Okay. Thanks very much for, for coming out. You've already been welcomed. But uh, let me add my welcome because... Um, I, I was thinking that this is a, 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 a topic that should interest us all. Um, it's a topic where I, I, I sat down this afternoon thinking, it, I chose it actually, and I thought this will be easy because it's just me, you know, it's just what I've done all my life. Um, and for that reason, I find it very difficult. So there isn't a kind of narrative or script or arc to this talk because as I tried to think about what was important about museums to me, everything just kind of tumbled in and I, I couldn't find a, a sort of structure to it. So um, I'm hoping that, uh, as Rebecca said in her introduction, this will be a, a discussion. Uh, I imagine most of the people who sit or stand here and uh, talk to you uh, are research scientists. So unless there are, there are a few people from the department or the research group or something like that, you can't, don't really feel that you have anything much to contribute, that, uh, that, is, that, that you're, you're lear you're, they're learning rather than, 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 than engaging uh, in, in a sort of dialogue. I'm sure that can't be the case tonight because, um, because we all have a stake in science museums. I mean, I, I imagine we all have an interest in science and, uh, and we all feel reasonably uh, in some sort of uh, 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 possession with, with, our, with the museums that we're interested in. That was, a, that was something I always found in, in, in uh, working in science museums. Sometimes it wasn't always um, comfortable that people felt that they had something important to say and really needed to tell me because uh, it wasn't always um, positive. Uh, but, but it was good that... that um, that uh, I felt that, that scientists around Oxford felt very strongly about the, the museum being theirs and, uh, and that they had something to say about it. So I think in this case, we all have that, um, that uh, connection and that engagement, which perhaps isn't the case for, um, for, for, for the sort of research talks you're used to. Um, Perhaps I should say something about why I might be sitting in this stool. Um, uh, I, uh, I've been working in a variety of museums through most of my career. I had a little bit of time as, a, as an ordinary academic, first of all, as a lecturer in the history of science. I have a science background, and I did history of science. And then since then, I've worked in four museums, the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. I, I was a curator of astronomy there. I looked after, you know, the, the observatory on the top of the hill in Greenwich Park. So I, I had to look after that for, for a few years, which was a terrific introduction to museum life. Then I went off to Cambridge to the Whipple Museum, which, of course, everyone here will deny having any <laughs> knowledge of whatsoever. Uh, it's a wee bit like the Museum of the History of Science in character. It's very academic. Um, it's, uh, it's much less public. Than, I don't, has anyone ever been to the Whipple? Because if so, you've done very well, because it's difficult to find. Uh, and, it, and you have to be quite brave to, to, to go over the threshold because you're clearly going into a department and then you have to find the museum in the middle of this department. But that uh, is not just physically the case, but sort of in, intellectually it's the case as well. This museum really operates within a department as a resource for the biggest history of science department in the country. And then after about 15 years there, I, I came uh, to Oxford as the director of the museum on Broad Street and I won't ask for a show of hands because I know they'd all go up and that's uh, un unnecessary to ask who has been to the museum. But uh, just in case not, it's opposite Blackwell's bookshop next door to the Sheldonian Theatre. Uh, and, and there, although in, 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 in terms of its relationship to the university, being a department of the university, we are similar to Cambridge. We're quite different in terms of our engagement with the public. So we have a very public-facing museum, or at least we have now. Maybe it wasn't quite so public-facing 18 years ago. But now a very public-facing museum with the, the la my, my last year over 200,000 visitors. So we have a lot of people coming through the door. You might just say, well, look where you are. It's easy. You just have to open the door and tourists kind of wander in without knowing where they are. And that's actually true that it, that does happen. Um, but not, uh, not, not the majority. I have some, a, few, a few members of staff here, so I, 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 they, they'll pick me up if I misrepresent things. 
there's a lot of, of course, a lot of purposeful going to the museum, though we do still find that most people are visitors to Oxford who come to the museum. Anyway, so we're a standalone department. We, we're in, um, engaged with the history faculty, but, but, but it's sort of at arm's length. Uh, the director is a he head of a department um, which uh, is con concerned with teaching history of science as well as um, uh, pr providing uh, galleries, exhibitions, and programs for the public. Um, and, uh, and now, uh, having retired from there, uh, curiously, I've stopped retiring, uh, and I've, I've been given a job at the Science Museum in London. So, uh, but that's only two days a week. So that's why I thought that we could, we could take a, a reasonably big view tonight, because you know, I, can, I can, in some sense, speak for the Science Museum. Um, I'm working there part-time as visiting keeper, that's what they call me. And um, so we have the National Museum. I mean, I know you all know the, the Science Museum. The Science Museum is just such, was such an icon for my youth, and that must still be true, I suppose, for scientists in England. I remember as a boy in, in Belfast coming over for an interview here in the University of Cambridge, and it was the first time I'd ever been in England. And it was the first time I'd ever flown, for example, all sorts of first times. And... As soon as I got to London, I remember I went to the Science Museum. So it had such a presence, you know, even for me living in Belfast. Uh, uh, I knew that was where I wanted to go. And so I don't know if that still has quite the same uh, uh, cachet as it, as it had then, but it was very definitely the place to come in London if you had any interest, if you were my sort of age then, 18 or something, 17, and had any interest in science. So I thought we might, that's why I've given my topic as science, um, what was it now? What do we want from a science museum, dot, 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 in Oxford? Those three dots, not meant to be an ellipsis in the usual way. I mean, that's to say they don't indicate that there's something missing, they indicate a pause. Okay, so uh, what do we want for a science museum? That's one thing, and then we'll focus it down to Oxford, more specifically at the end of the talk. So I, I couldn't think, I don't know, there must be a, a society for advanced punctuation or something. I couldn't think of a punctuation, or, or I always think, sometimes I think our punctuation marks really not up to the things I wanted, the, the relationships that we make between words, you know. And there wasn't a, a, a punctuation mark for long pause, or thoughtful pause. Anyway, so I put in three dots. Uh, so that's why my title takes that, that shape. Um, so we, we have this, the Science Museum in London, which is much more typical of science museums internationally. Most science museums aren't set up as museums for the, of the past, curiously. They're almost always established for educational, uh, with a strong educational agenda. In fact, that's their sole agenda. This, that's true of the Science Museum. The Science Museum was set up in the, in the sort of wake of anxiety after the uh, Great Exhibition and, and other indications to the, to the public realm that... Uh, that British science wasn't, wasn't uh, up, up to what it should be up to, that the, the French and Germans and so on were catching up, even, for heaven's sake, the Americans were catching up and, and so on, and we were, there was a great national anxiety about this, and all sorts of uh, uh, educational um, initiatives were taken, and the Science Museum emerged from one of those. So the Science Museum isn't, isn't a museum of the past, initially, and that's absolutely typical of, of museums. They just become museums of the past because they get old and the things inside them get older and they have to somehow deal with them and they have to turn themselves into regular museums. But if you think like the Deutsches Museum uh, in, in Munich, that's, that's that character, the Musée des Arts et Métiers in Paris that was set up, okay, in the late 18th century, was set up as an educational establishment and only, and that's got the most, fa I mean, the older they are, of course, the more fabulous the collection they've, they've just kind of got used to over the years and had to uh, train themselves to curate in the traditional manner, but they aren't set up uh, for, for history uh, or for historical collections, except for about four that I can think of. Um, Museum of the History of... Well, we now must call the Museo Galileo in Florence, which some of you will know. Museum Borhave in Leiden in the Netherlands. And then Oxford and Cambridge, uh, where we have Museums of the History of Science, curiously. It's very curious to have a Museum of the History of Science. And, and the reason why uh, we even have these things that, that are much the same is because of one man. One man established both the museums, Oxford and Cambridge, a man called Robert Gunther, who's, who's, much, who's much more associated with Oxford, really, than Cambridge, but also uh, initiated the, the Whipple Museum in Cambridge. It's called the Whipple Museum because he cultivated this guy called Whipple, who had a big collection. 
and, and uh, got him to present it to the university. And he played the same trick here. He cultivated a guy called Lewis Evans, who had a big collection, and, um, and got him to give it to the university on condition that there was a museum. The university didn't want a museum, but it couldn't really turn down this absolutely fabulous collection. So, so we have these museums of a history of science, quite untypical of, of museums of science generally. And uh, that sort of indicates one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, anomalies, in a way, um, of, of it is a bit odd that there are science museums at all, for, as far as most people. I mean, and a chap, I can say this, because even tonight, he, he's gone now, so I can say that. Hi, Stephen. Um, sorry, my, my, my old colleague from the museum is, 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 is here. Don't, I don't know what Stephen thinks he's going to learn from this, but he's just here for the beer, I, I, I guess. <laughs> but as I looked round, it wasn't that I was expecting to see someone, I was expecting not to see the guy from Brooks who uh, wants me to do a, uh, a live TV spot next, well, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be put off by my saying that I was retired, uh, next week, next Wednesday. And it's all about why on earth do we, he, he was very puzzled about what, he's a scientist and, you know, science is about the present and about the future. So what are we going to do with all this past stuff? It's almost an embarrassment in, in a way. It's certainly, it's, its relevance is, is, uh, is it, the question of its relevance is a challenge and I'm supposed to uh, respond to that challenge under fierce questioning from, from um, uh, budding uh, uh, Paxmans in, uh, in, in, in Brooks next, uh, next Wednesday afternoon. So live on Brooks TV if anybody takes that. But, that. but his attitude, I think, is fairly typical of the puzzlement in a way that, that, that can arise from why we have uh, uh, science museums uh, with, with all these old collections. And that puzzlement, better rush on, that puzzlement reached a kind of uh, crisis point uh, which you, a uh, crisis which everyone here sort of inherits and some of us lived through, which happened in the, sort of the early 80s, where the frustrations with the, um, the, the, the seeming irrelevance of historic collections to, to, to uh, an a public engagement with science uh, spawned a, a new movement, a, a movement called public understanding of science, and on the museum side, the, offs the, 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 the manifestation of that were science centres. So tip, uh, the, the, the moment that stuck in my mind, and I've spoken about this before, and I know there are people here who, uh, who, who've heard me talking about it, was a question which famously Richard Gregory, whom you may have heard of as a um, psychologist um, uh, interested in, particularly in, in visual perception and so on. Is that right? Is that what you'd say? Ah, oh, right. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Well, I, I won't say anything too, uh, too uh, 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 <laughs> critical in that case. But I was a bit concerned about the influence of one of the things that he that he famously said. He, by the way, was is famous in my world for establishing the exploratorium in in, in Bristol, or is it the exploratory? Can't quite know. Exploratorium in Bristol, the first science centre in Britain, and. Um, there was a, a kind of a, a, a moment which may be apocryphal, may, may never really have happened, but, but Gregory is supposed to have been in one of the traditional galleries in the Science Museum or somewhere like that and said, but where's the science? Okay, surrounded by all of these scientific instruments, you know, sundials, sextants, I don't know what it was, but uh, old microscopes, where's the science? I mean, here, here we have a gallery which is meant to be conveying something about science, but I can't see any science. So Gregory couldn't see any science there because all he could see was this kind of materiality sort of in the shape of, of old instruments. Uh, we were just kind of sitting there not doing anything. And, um, and he was inspired and that, I don't know about that moment, but this is the moment that's passed down to us to do something which is more interactive and more engaging and you, you, learnt, you learnt the science uh, in, a, in a public space, in a gallery, but not uh, with old instruments but by, with, with, with instruments specially designed for learning, so the interactives. And people like myself were, were um, kind of a bit puzzled um, and a bit um, disappointed at that thought, where's the science, because it seemed to a historian that he was surrounded by the science and he couldn't see it. That's to say, you know, the, uh, science hasn't fallen out of the sky. It isn't just something we can learn from, uh, from an interactive. It has a history. It has a past. It exists. It, it grew up. In, 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 the, in time and in culture, and, and that context of its growth contributed, helped to shape what it was. So, I mean, that's something that no historian would stand up in a, in a, in a talk and say, because 
you know, you couldn't have a historical talk without believing that. And it's always a bit odd for historians of science to have to say that, to have to say to a group that, well, we, we need to, if it under, to understand science, we need to really see, uh, engage with where it's come from and how it has, how it has uh, been shaped. That's, a, that's in some ways a challenging notion for scientists because if, to take it seriously, if you're going to say that um, science we have today really has been shaped uh, effectively in the past, as well as by, uh, by bright scientists today, you're going to have to, you're going to have to think that there are lots of aspects of its growth which have taken the, made their way through what we might think of as uh, contrary intellectual cultures. You know, um, astrology, for example, has contributed to the current shape of astronomy, in a way. Alchemy has certainly contributed very strongly to the current shape of, uh, of uh, chemistry. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't matter because we've grown out of that. We've, we've climbed that ladder. We can kick the ladder away. It's got nothing to do with where we're standing now. Okay. And if you believe that, then you fundamentally don't believe in history and, 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 the, and the role of history in, 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 in shaping our, our, our beliefs as well as our, our, all the other, all the other uh, structures we live by, you know, whether they're uh, political or religious or whatever. Um, and that science somehow sits outside that whole historical dynamic. And for a historian, that was a difficult thing to accept. But it was the, it was the brief of science centers. So you could go into a science center and you could just learn the science without worrying about all that. So you had to have, for, for that kind of gallery engagement with science, you, there was no point in having all these old, all these old material things because they just got in the way of the, of the science in Gregory's term. You know, you might think, well, isn't that a nice sort of brass... Uh, uh, instrument and, and, and what, what, what did that astrolabe do in the, in, 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 in the culture of Islamic science and so on. None of that, according to the ahistorical view, mattered. So we, we had to not distract ourselves with that kind of stuff. We had to get these interactives that stripped all that away. Now that was a, a difficult notion for a, a, a museum like, uh, like the Museum of the History of Science in Oxford, which is stuffed full of old things, very old things. And uh, and we began then a, a, a process in the development of, of uh, public science in galleries, let's say. It's a bit hard now to talk about science museums, where there was a certain amount of tension between these two uh, ideas. That the museum is a, is a collection of objects which is used to learning about how we've, where we've come from and how we've developed. No, uh, a science museum is a different thing. It's a gallery experience where you learn modern science but through a different set of tools. Okay, so that, I think there was a tension there for some time. I'd maybe maybe I, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating that. Um, okay, so uh, the trouble with having sort of sketchy notes is that I keep thinking maybe I'm missing something, but I, but I haven't really, really got any notes at all here, as I said at the start. Um, so uh, uh, that's changing, I think. I think that is changing. I mean, there are several things that you would think um, are unfortunate about that, quite apart from the loss of historical, uh, historical sensibility. One of the things that um, I think is unfortunate from, a, from the scientist's point of view is that if we emphasize the notion of, sci of uh, uh, scientific culture being, well, let's say, juvenile, if I can be uh, pejorative then uh, for a moment, that's to say it's something for children. Um, that, of course, is something for children. It's important that children, and, and we have an education department in the, in the Museum of the History of Science. Of course we do, as, as, all, as all they, I mean. I, I'd say, if I say we, I, I, I just forget that I've retired. Um, uh, so so, so the, uh, uh, an introduction to, of, uh, I mean, uh, an educational experience for, for, for younger visitors in the museum is very important. But um, I think people who work in museums will, will recognize two things that, you, that you're often... Uh, is often said to you, if you say I work in a science museum, um, uh, if you're outside the museum, people will say, well, yeah, I must bring my, my children along. And you think, yeah, yeah, bring your children along, but, you know, why can't you just come? You know, why do you have to need a, ch a child to, to explain why you're there? Okay. Um, because we've come to that expectation that somehow that's a, that's a, a juvenile museum experience and... And, you know, grown-ups go to the V&A and the British Museum and the Ashmolean and so on. So, so that seems to me to be an unfortunate reaction. Uh, we, we, we want science not to be associated with, with, uh, with a, a child learning experience only. Okay. Maybe you think I'm exaggerating that, but we can see what you think at the end. The other thing that you, that you find is, 
I find, always find troubling inside the museum was if you met visitors and you talked to them, they would often apologize for, for the fact that they couldn't really do this science museum business. You know, they would say things like, well, I, was, wasn't, I don't understand any of this. I, I, I was always bad at science at school, and I still don't really get it all. And you'd think, well, no, that doesn't matter. I mean, of course you're getting it. There's lots of things you're appreciating about being in the presence of all these objects and enjoying looking at them and thinking a bit about them and thinking about the people who'd used them, the people who'd made them. And that's all part of the science. The science isn't just. What they meant was we don't get these, these kind of high-level principles. You know, we don't really understand the science in Gregory's sense. But, of course, as I've often said, so I'm sorry to repeat myself, but, you know, if you're, in an, if you're in a gallery of Egyptology, say, you don't say, I'm awfully sorry I'm here, I don't understand hieroglyphs. Of course you don't say that. You understand an awful lot about Egyptian culture just by being there and seeing the kinds of things that people had in their daily lives and so on. So it seemed to me that that, that imperative of, of learning the science in an elementary way had some unfortunate, uh, led to some unfortunate char characteristics of the way the public in general engaged with science in, 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 in galleries. Now, I would say that that's changing. Uh, I mean, I can speak a little bit for the Science Museum. I know that there's a move now to try to uh, uh, make it less... You know the old story about the Science Museum, that you only go twice in your, three times in your life. You go when you're a child, you go when you take your children, and you go when you take your grandchildren. And there you, you don't ever go any other time. You don't ever go just because that would be the sort of... That would be a, 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 an enriching uh, cultural experience, the way you would go to Tate Modern or something like that. You don't, you don't go that way. You're always in a different mode. You always, you're either there because you're a child or you have the excuse of having a child with you. Uh, so, uh, but that is, really that is changing. The Science Museum are now trying to... Uh, perhaps catching up, one might say, but they're, they're, they're now trying to uh, appeal to an adult audience, uh, to, and particularly to a young adult audience. They now have these uh, late programs and so on that you can go to in the evenings and all, there are all sorts of a range of events that, that, that aren't uh, targeted, specifically not targeted at, 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 at children. Um, so that's changing, and, and, and in, in under the new director, they're trying to uh, use their, they've got, a, of course, got a vast collection of, uh, of uh, historic instruments. I mean, typically, I know it's always shocking for people who don't work in museums, but a typical national museum probably has about 3% of its collections on display. I mean, maybe 5%. I don't know what the figure really is in the Science Museum, but it's always under 10, uh, so it's very small. And we're trying, we're trying now to get more of that out into the new galleries and so on that, that, that are being planned at the moment so that the, the experience will be, will be a, a broader one. The Science Museum always has been a broad church. I mean, it has to have some history because it has historic collections, but it also has a strong educational agenda. Um, so, okay, I think that is changing in the Science Museum, and um, I don't know, I can't speak for, the, for other, other museums I mentioned at the start, that no, the Deutsches Museum is, is closing itself down and, and, and reinventing its galleries and over the next few years, so that'll be interesting, interesting to see. Um, but what I was thinking we should perhaps uh, do is um, think now about the, uh, I've only got about a, another quarter of an hour, think now about Oxford. Um, What's happening in Oxford? Um, after my, after my, after my uh, uh, three dots there, um, we're tremendously fortunate in Oxford, obviously. We, we have tremendous resources for, the, for, our, for our public culture of science. Um, I'll say something, first of all, about the Museum of the History of Science. Um, there, that tension between the, the past... Uh, when it isn't clear that what we're looking at is science at all, but the museum claims it's ancestral in some way to science today, uh, the, the tension is strongest between that aspect of, the, of, of, of what the museum has and, and, and science being about uh, a, a contemporary, uh, a modern intellectual discipline. That is felt strongest in Oxford, because it's in Oxford that the collections are oldest. What I mean is that as we, would, as we often say to visitors, the, um, uh, here we have the, uh, uh, the, the best early collection of scientific instruments in the world. And we used to say that. I used to say that. I don't know what's said now. But say it without blinking and without batting an eyelid, we would be happy to say that because it's true. But it's only true if you uh, are careful to insert the word early because uh, the museum is strongest 
in, uh, I mean, st uh, strongest in the world, like up to about well, 1700, let's say. Uh, after that, we get relatively weak when other museums get strong. So, so we're relatively, even that's relative, but we're relatively weak, say, in the 19th and the 20th century, but we're strongest in the 9th and the, and the 16th century, let's say. So that means that, the, that in, in MHS, in the Museum of the History of Science, m mo most of the collections will live in, or will have lived, been created in a different um, uh, intellectual culture, uh, uh, than, than which, something which is scarcely recognizable sometimes as, as science. If you go into the, into the entrance gallery, I'm sure that's still the case, there's a showcase which is all about magic, we would think. And there's a showcase which has, uh, you know, John, famously John Dee's magic uh, 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 holy table for, for talking to angels. And you might think, well, that's, and I haven't got time to tell you that story tonight, but you might think, what's that got to do with science? Well, it had a lot to do with science in John Dee's time because... Um, the angels uh, had um, a knowledge of the natural world which, which had been lost by humankind in John Dee's account of who we were. And, uh, and, and connecting, connecting up with an angel through a medium might be a way of, of linking in to knowledge which we had lost and we could recover relatively quickly. So a kind of hotline to, to, to the, 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 the transcendent truth without doing all this boring research stuff. So, so, okay, that, if there's somebody there to explain a little bit about that, you can see how that does have an echo with what we think today, but it'll look utterly alien to start with. So we typically have the problem in, in MHS that people come with, with, the, with, I don't want to say the wrong expectations, because that would be, but, but expectations that are going to be disappointed. Uh, we're not, they see, it's a, it's a museum about science, but there aren't going to be lots of interactives and so on and, and the, usual, the things that people have come to expect. So I think that that um, tension is perhaps fe felt strongest in, in MHS. And we, we're concerned about that, of course. We need to um, make the museum a, a place where, which people, uh, where, where people in, 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 in enjoy coming and feel enriched in their engagement with science by coming. We mustn't alienate them. And yet, at the same time, we want to show that there is this broader cultural experience uh, with, uh, by, by approaching science through historic objects. And it isn't the only, and, 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 and classroom physics and so on isn't the only route. Um, how do we do that? Um, well, of course, we have historic, uh, the, the, the special exhibition uh, program is one of the strongest components there, and we have um, uh, exhibitions that are strong as historical accounts, where, where the his, uh, uh, his, his historical work is particularly uh, important. Uh, the last one that I did was about um, Renaissance uh, astronomy. So we had, we had globes and astrolabes and quadrants and lots of books and so on, which... which which showed how uh, 16th century astronomy had a, had a very powerful material uh, culture, a, a material presence through books and making instruments and so on that, uh, that was part of the, which was an important component to explaining it. And Stephen did one a few years ago about um, architecture in the 16th and 17th century, which again had a very uh, 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 strong uh, research, I mean historical research uh, uh, component to it. But we've also uh, done uh, exhibitions that don't have that, and that um, and the one that uh, th 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 that have a more of an art agenda. And sometimes that's been done by simply inviting an artist in, uh, an artist with a strong uh, uh, science uh, interest, uh, to to show material in the in the gallery and so on. Or sometimes it's been creations of our own where we've tried to. Um, uh, uh, use aspects of visual culture to attract visitors. And, and the ones that I was particularly involved in, uh, there was one about blackboards. I don't know if you, if you saw that, where uh, we, have a, we have a black, famously, which you, some, many of you will know, we have a famous blackboard by Einstein. Um, and uh, for that exhibition, it was, it was the uh, centenary of um, Theory of Special Relativity in 2005, and we had an exhibition of blackboards. And um, we got celebrities from, um, from uh, I mean, contemporary celebrities, celebrities today, obviously. And uh, we got them to chalk on blackboards the same or use blackboards the same size as, as Einstein's. And um, these were all sorts of people, like, I mean, there were scientists, of course, like Martin Rees did one, and uh, Bob May did one, and um, 
Uh, but there were also artists. Cornelia Parker did one, for instance. Uh, Joanna McGregor, the pianist, used one. And, uh, and there were other sort of popular figures like Glenda Jackson did one. I don't know if you these are all kind of older celebrities, I have to admit. Bobby Robson, the football manager, did one and so on. So the idea of that was to try to mix up that, and that kind of, uh, I, mean, I mean, draw people in to the museum and have a bit of science sort of uh, mixed up with everything else that you could enjoy. And that worked very well. Uh, what I mean is people came and, they, and they, they came into the gallery and they were very thoughtful because they sort of knew that this was a gallery now and they knew how to behave in a, in a gallery so they looked at the stuff and they looked at the label and they sort of thought for a bit and then they moved on to the, like you do in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an art show. Um, and, and probably the most, the most famous one I must mention is the steampunk exhibition. I don't know if any of you saw the steampunk exhibition, but that was tr just impossibly successful. We couldn't cope with how popular that was. There were too many, just too many people uh, who wanted to see that at the end. Uh, and again, you might think, you know, well, what on earth were you doing with steampunk? I mean, it's almost anti-science. It's kind of wishing that modern science hadn't happened, or at least not in the form that it's happened, not with the design values that it has happened. They wish that, you know, mobile phones looked like something out of uh, uh, Jules Verne or something like that. So, so, and, 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 and we got lots of uh, steampunk artists uh, uh, in, and, and they, they showed that and so on. They showed all their material, and I can't describe it because it, it's hard to describe. Uh, and probably most of you know, this was, this was a little early in the steampunk, uh, pop, the popular, um, steampunk's been around for a long time, but as a, as a popular movement. And there I would say that what happened there was that we had a, we had a gallery afterwards which had 19th century instruments in it. Um, and normally when people would go through that 19th century, uh, a display of 19th century instruments like that, they just kind of, yeah, oh yes, another, another you know... Uh, sextant or so, and they just walk through and not give it much thought. What we find was that because they went in through the steampunk show first, they were really engaged with all these objects as visual uh, uh, um, uh, as artifacts which were, which were presenting themselves as visual artifacts because the science of course behind it was all, you know, kind of weird. Uh, and, and scientists of course, before they came anyway, were very sceptical about whether we should be doing that. What are we doing encouraging all this strangeness? Um, it's not, not, you know, legitimate science. But, but from our point of view, the, d the design interest was similar to, to, to our material. So it might have been a superficial engagement to, to, a, to a Richard Gregory sort of character who only is interested in the science. But if we could get them interested in the visual culture, then that was at least a start. And uh, it's a bit like, you know, going to an Egyptian uh, gallery and, 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 enjoying, and enjoying the design. So, and th but then when we find that when they went through that and, the, and into the gallery, which had lots of real 19th century instruments, they had, a, they, had, they had a different attitude. They took their time and they looked at them and so on. So we, that, that trick worked quite well. Um, so the, the, the museum has been doing that kind of thing uh, fairly successfully for, for a decade or so now. Uh, and that's one of the techniques that we've been using to try, I mean, engaging with art and other aspects of vi the visual culture of science, um, in order to, to deal with that difficulty of getting people in when maybe they're, th this is a science museum that doesn't present them with the kind of things they expect. So if you give them something else that's unexpected, and, but, 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 but interesting in itself, that can, that, that can work. I wanted to say a little bit about the moment we're at now, because if I know I haven't, I've been gabbling on and I haven't given you a chance to get a word in edgeways, so I'm going to have to stop, and uh, so that's going to be possible. And what I thought we might think about is that this is a, you can perhaps tell me, and maybe even more importantly, tell the current staff, because there's some of them here tonight, um, about what you want of a science museum in, in Oxford. I mean, you can tell me what you want of a science museum in South Kensington, but there's probably not a lot I can do about that. Um, but uh, there are people here who might be able to do something about uh, respond to the, to the interest in, in Oxford. It, it, we're, we're, we're changing. There's a lot of change taking place, as you know. I mean, I haven't said anything about Science Oxford, but just over the road. 
But as, as I suppose everyone knows, it's closing down. It's, this is the nearest thing we have to a science centre. Well, it is a science centre, I suppose, but with a lot of other aspects to it and, and so on. But, but there's a gallery which is a, which is a science centre, uh, and that's closing down in the summer, as I understand it. Not that I'm directly involved. We've always had a good, good working relationship with them, but I haven't been directly involved. But it's closing down in the summer so as to move to somewhere better in, in three years' time. So there's a big new building... Uh, in, in a more central location in, 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 in Oxford and, and Science Oxford is going to move itself there with, a, with new galleries and so on. So there's a, there's a moment of profound change as far as that aspect of public culture of science goes in, in Oxford. It's a moment of change in the Museum of the History of Science, not just because uh, I've re retired and there'll be a new director, but more because... Um, the university want the museum to change, uh, and change is often driven by the, by the university. Obviously, we're a department of the university. We respond to, to uh, their directives um, to, to, a, to a large extent. The, the public facedness, I mean, the increased public engagement and the growth of uh, 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 public uh, um, activities and, and exhibitions and, and, and lectures and so on, that you might have seen over the past 10 or 15 years has been part of a movement of all the university's museums. So the Ashmolean's been doing the same, the Pitt Rivers has certainly been doing the same. Natural history just shut itself down for a year, but that will enable it to, to, uh, to do more of the same. So we've all, we've all been moving in that direction, and that's been part of something that the university has wanted us to do because, because of course, they've realized that in this old resource that they've had for for a long time in the case of the Ashmolean, um, there is a, a, a resource, a public resource that the university can use for public engagement, which is something that everyone uh, increasingly values in university uh, life and particularly in its, in its scientific uh, aspect. So, so we've been uh, responding to university directive, which is now changing. In the, I don't mean it's going, it's going to be less public, but, but the universities have... Um, encouraged the museum, and I can speak a little bit about this because it happened before I left, to adopt a new vision statement. I knew I'd remember what it was called. Um, a new vision statement. And one of the most important aspects of the new vision statement, um, I mean, the, the PVC isn't here or anything like that. No, you're, you're, you're on your own there, Steve. And the new vision statement um, uh, will foreground much more uh, contemporary science than we've done before. And that will involve uh, more contemporary collecting. I mind you, we did acquire the Marconi collection, which is a 20th century collection not so long ago, and, and as an important anaesthetic collection, which is part of the, came from the university, one of the university departments. But um, we're, going to get, we're going to be doing a lot more of that. Um, I mean, we, we hope it can be properly resourced, which makes it possible. But the university obviously has collections throughout the science departments. And maybe some of you know some of them or are even involved with some of them. Uh, and they're, they're not really curated and they're not, they're, their future is, I mean, they're, they're, they can be loved and cared for now, but then, you know, uh, someone, a new head of department might come in and their, their status might be precarious. So these um, collections of that sort need securing. And they're, they're, not, they're not necessarily, you know, beautiful old astrolabes and so on. Well, they're not beautiful old astrolabes. So, so they may not be, be, be appreciated for the importance of keeping them because of the kind of tension that I was thinking of at the start. That said, scientists aren't always uh, uh, um, in, in a position where they can afford to, 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 to give over time and space to such things. So the museum is going to be doing more contemporary science and you can see that already. I mean, if you go along now, nothing to do with me, but you have Brain Awareness Week with a, with a, with a, with a, a brain science exhibition in the entrance gallery. Uh, I tried to go to, and it's very successful, I tried to go to a lecture last week and got turned away at the door. And I said, get thee hence, there's no room for you. So, uh, and there's no point in me saying... <laughs> so I didn't get in. So uh, that's brilliant. So it's uh, obviously this, the, what we have always found, um, and I thought it was just astronomy, but it's not true. If we get contemporary, I mean, uh, uh, contemporary scientists speaking about their work, the public really like it, and it really goes very well. And uh, it was absolutely packed last week. So you're going to see more of that, uh, uh, because that's a directive for, from, the, from, the, um, from the university. Um, and... Uh, 
so this is a time of change for, for the museum. It's a time of change for Science Oxford. You can see that, that impetus happening elsewhere in the university as well. I mean, you know, you, you, most of the, an awful lot of the departments now have science communications uh, posts, uh, people that we work with and, and probably you work with here and get people along and so on, and Science Oxford work with. And, and, and increasingly, there are online presence that are, that are aimed at such resources like Oxford Sparks and Oxford Connect and so on. So um, it's clear that MHS is moving in, in the same, same sort of direction. So uh, I th thought, I, am I ending with some questions? I suppose what I'm ending with, no, there's nothing about that. What I'm ending with is uh, an invitation to um, talk a little bit. I've, I've managed to leave a quarter of an hour about what you think, uh, perhaps even since uh, it's me, and I've, I've, I've retired. You, can, you might have a view on what's been happening at MHS over the past uh, 15 or so years since the redevelopment. There was a redevelopment which was funded by the lottery. And you can tell me why you think it was, um, it was what you expected or liked or, or what, and, and the direction we might think of going in, in MHS. And maybe we want to talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the values of, uh, that science museums nationally are adopting and uh, what we expect of our science museums. As I said, and I hope you'll prove me right by saying things, as I said at the start, in my experience, scientists care about their museums. They feel, they feel quite strongly about what they do. Um, Just going back to you saying um, at the beginning uh, that old adage about going three times to science museum. Yeah. Um, it, just to ask somebody who might have a technical knowledge on the statistics as, yeah. as to how true is that? How, how much footfall you saying you had 200,000 people? Was it last year? Um, how much of that is one, you know, repeat um, people going again and again and again? And how has that changed in the you know, 30, 40 years that yeah, you've yeah. been involved in museums? Right. As far as we know at MHS, and, and Stephen or others might, might, might uh, know better, I think we get an awful lot of one-off visits, and that's because Oxford is a, is a, is a sort of one-day tourist um, uh, you know, uh, a, a site from, from London and so on. So we, we, our, our figures are skewed because of that. Um, I, th I think that business about the, the, um, the, the, the old adage is supposed to be particularly the science museum because its, it's, it's child-friendly presence is, is such a strong selling point for it. And there, I think that's, a, I don't know, about three times a year, but it's certainly, I mean, just, I, I, I don't know what kind of audience research is done there, but just wandering around the, the museum, we do have an awful lot of uh, family, family visits rather than, what do they call them, independent adult visits. Mm -hmm. We're trying to work on the independent adult business, apparently, now. So I, I, don't, I don't know if you have any, any figures there, Stephen, but I, I only have the impression that it's largely true at the Science Museum. I think at Birmingham, um, yeah. so the think tank, the Birmingham Science Museum, which is a museum but has floors of, mm -hmm. um, sort of science centre aspects. Um, surprisingly, um, it's about sort of mid to high 70s, uh, percent of um, first time visitors. So I That's always, a bit the same it always then. surprised me. I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a core um, of season ticket holders, but the majority is, yeah. um, you know, you just gear all your events for the fact that it's people who are just coming for the first time. Yeah. And we've struggled at MHS to, to have a viable friends uh, society, for instance. Uh, I mean, maybe we're just not very good at organising it, and somebody else could, who knows how to organise it could do it well. But we've never, we have one, but we've, we've never, the numbers have never been very high at all. And we do have faithful visitors who come back to many of the lectures, but, you know, that's about six people or so. Uh, uh, yeah. so. I mean, I, I've personally been to two or three of the lectures, yeah. and, um, and they've been amazing. And I, I keep meaning to go to more, yeah. and maybe it's almost the engagement level that I, I, I personally Yeah. Um, very good. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to hear that because obviously we, we, we think very we well we we're very much attached to having a public program of that sort. Uh, and I think you know the other museums have been quite surprised at how strong it's been the, the public because we're a tiny staff. But it's because we put a lot of energy into trying to make that uh, that varied and uh, and and attractive. And, and we have a we have a very well designed quarterly program. <laughs> that was it. That was that, that was that was it.
an aside. <laughs> I don't think we should uh, lose sight of the people who have a professional interest, though, in those historic artefacts that, that you have. My son is a nuclear physicist, doing uh, his PhD. Yeah. A uh, year ago, he, he, his level of excitement in going in the basement of the, your museum. Right. Okay. Uh, seeing, seeing really those uh, artifacts that, yeah, they're in all the textbooks, but yeah, who ever quite, sees yeah. a, a zinc sulfide screen anymore? Right, yeah. And okay. uh, he's yeah. now at the moment uh, working on the idea of a nuclear battery. Yeah. And he said to me, Do you know, Chris, you can't buy a zinc sulfide screen anymore, <laughs> not even on eBay. <laughs> right. And we're not selling ours. If that's, uh, <laughs> and, you know, that's what. Yeah. That's what he would like to be able to do, and mm-hmm. seeing that is it, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Now I know this is a minority interest, but it still is a, peop- a lot of yeah. people are excited yeah. by seeing. Well, well, you're right. I mean, in, in that case, there's a particular thing in that gallery and so on, but so many people will go into that gallery. For instance, you know, seeing Marconi's um, uh, coherer receiver thing, the thing that... Yeah, I mean, then, and that's just extraordinary. And, and, the, and the, the, the air phone that... What was his name now? Um, Marconi's assistant heard the first signal, you know, across the Atlantic and so on. Um, and then we find in that gallery, I think, well, of course, there's the Einstein blackboard, but apart from that, people are very interested in the medicine, even though it's very, or maybe even because it's so, it's so um, alien, it looks so awful, you know, the kind of uh, stuff we have there, and people are always uh, taken by that. But um, very often you, you find just that, that experience that there is a particular object or, a, or maybe a few objects that people... Uh, very, very definitely engage with because of their past experience and so on. Um, so, what were you thinking we should do? Not, not lose the object um, I focus. Could, I, I mean, uh, I've also been to the one in Birmingham. The, yeah. um, think tank. And we walked around there, and we just said, technology. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it was very nice to see. You know, we enjoyed it. We liked feeding the robot. Um, you know, but. Uh, it was fun, <laughs> but it wasn't really science, you know. And, uh, and I think you, to get a real feel, yeah. you, you do need to see what it was like. Yeah, yeah, is. yeah. And especially now that we're so distant from it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you do everything on the computer, and you, so much of it is at a distance. Yeah. So you're right, you're and, right. And yeah. seeing that, having that immediacy yeah, that's right. as well. That's that, right, yeah. Yeah. So, the, the, so in other words, the, what you're thinking, I, I, am I right in thinking that. Um, the, the kind of the, the animation uh, computer experience or the interactive experience is available so so commonly now, but but there, it's only in the presence of of an old object that you have a that that's a more special experience. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to fill your museum. I'm not, you know. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to listen to you know we. Li- <laughs> Jim, I think that the one off football and tourist tourists is radically in. 2015, when the visitor centre opposite. Oh yeah, yeah. That's going to have a terrific effect. Yeah. So you mean we'll get more of those? Uh Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that that there's going to be a a new public gallery in 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 the Bodley and in 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 New Bodley, uh, a big public gallery there. With a cafe. Yeah. So our end of Broad Street is going to be the place to be. Uh, That's yeah, that's right. Yes, it's possible. Well, there was a a thought of having a larger (coughs) shop. Um, uh, There's no room for it. Yeah, well, there would only be a room for it if you had less gallery. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was a. That site is going to be extremely important for generating funds for the university. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the problem with modern science that people, I just heard, find it difficult to relate to the now again, you know, yeah. you know, they can't relate to the science. I mean, it's either very theoretical, yes. it's very large, yes. big machines yeah. that, that are, are marvellous, but I mean, and it's difficult to design models that show the principles yeah. or get the actual pieces that show and show the transition and how we yeah. how we got there, yeah. how we got to where we are now. Yeah. And 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 I think the good thing about 
the history of science and, and the medical instruments or yeah. whatever, you can see there's a progression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it goes on. Yeah. But, but it's actually getting that progression yeah. further yeah. and to keep rotating it and changing yeah. it to keep people's yeah. interest yeah. and get people yeah. Yeah. back again. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's important to get human stories in there that people can relate to, well, yeah. and that's why med- medicine is relatively easy in that respect, or engaging in that respect. Um, because if people think that they have to grasp the science, um, but it's enough for them, really, to, to, um, to appreciate a lot of the human stories that are involved. But if you think, there's a nice example of, um, at the minute, the Science Museum in London is, is uh, planning a new maths gallery. And I'm not particularly involved with that, but I, I, I listen to the to people talking about it. And there we have a big problem because, after all, um, the mathematicians particularly want want a, want a conceptual engagement. Um, but if you if you try anything like that in the public, they run they run away. And and the, the audience research has shown that if you're going to have a math, mathematics gallery in the in the science museum, for heaven's sake, don't mention mathematics. So, you know, you ought to have mathematics in the title. And obviously that's kind of crazy because, you know, you've got to find a way of it, of, of it being admittedly mathematics, but allowing people to come in and, 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 and feel comfortable. And by the end, they'll, they'll at least, they may not go out f- knowing any more mathematics, but at least they feel better about it emotionally, even if not uh, intellectually. But in that so, same mathematics gallery now... Yeah. You've got a wonderful piece of a tokamak mm-hmm. as a sort of wall hanging, more or less. Yeah. Very little said about it. Yeah. And yeah. yet, what an exciting thing that yeah. is to mm-hmm. someone who has a slight inclination as to you know what might be a good idea for the future. Yeah. And it's hidden away between computing and mathematics. Yeah. What's it doing there? Well, I, I don't. And, and you know, how, <laughs> you know, it's the most inspiring <laughs> thing in the museum, I think. And right. there it is. Okay. Well, now this is your chance to. Is that the half, the half shell in there that's stuck on the wall? Yeah, that's right. And the other half's the color book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I, um, I just wanted to add some of the things sure. that, that you guys were discussing. Um, so, when I'm at a dinner party with people from my college uh, that are non scientists, the question always comes up, and this was the point that you were discussing earlier, um, which is what is science good for, or how is it affecting their everyday life? Yeah. Um, philosophers or historians sure. or things like that nature. And what I do quickly is to just point out everything in the room, <laughs> everything from yeah. the table that we are sitting on to uh, the lights, the, the yeah. air conditioning system, or yeah. a ventilation, everything. Yeah. And w- what I find useful about the technology museums um, that the person out there were pointing out is that if you could have something like the iPhone dissected like the cow in the art museum, mm-hmm. spread, spread around, and each of the parts the LCD didn't just come fully for a sure. LCD panel. Sure. It has history sure. along yeah. with it. And yeah. it became an LCD panel. Or, or, I mean, it's an everyday object. It has yeah. now become technology. Yeah. Nobody cares about yeah. it. But there's yeah. a tremendous yeah. amount of uh, blue skies research that yeah. went yeah. Uh, behind yeah. I mean, every part of yeah. the iPhone, yeah. including the yeah. pentile screws that they have yeah. proprietary manufacturing. Right. So what would be the story you would tell about each of those parts, do you think? I mean, there, I, mean I, be, I, 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 I know, I can see there are lots of stories. Yeah. My bias here as a, as a people student in, 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 in you know, biomedical science is yeah. he's, of course, in, in, in that area. But yeah. what would be really interesting is to understand the chemistry or the physics yeah. or the biology of everyday yeah. life yeah. That, yeah. that people don't appreciate, yeah. that they live in every yeah, day. Quite. But iPhone was just an example. You could take yeah. any yeah. uh, wine, for example, <laughs> or, or whatever. Uh, and you can show the chemistry, the biology, the physics, the yeah. engineering yeah. that went into it. Yeah. I mean, the story can be built. Yeah. The, there's a gallery can... just opened, just what you're looking for, that you need to take your page to, and it is in Birmingham. So, the, I mean, Birmingham, Birmingham. they're so manufacturing in yeah. but they have just opened a brand new interactive gallery that also yeah. has collections within it, because they've yeah. realised there's starting to be a bit of a backlash against just Science Centre type. Yeah. Um, and it's, I suppose, material sciences yeah. is at the heart of it, but it's, you know, we made it, or I can't remember what they call it now, it's like made in Birmingham, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. So it's trying to get that social aspect yeah. about Birmingham lives in it, but also showing that um, it's trying to make people interested in the fact that science is simply, like you say, it's, it's around you. Science is, is you live in it every single day, and getting people to realise their, their everyday lives 
it's what they're actually, it's, it's science. It's not some complicated thing, it's just there all the time. I can see that working, working well as a special exhibition, don't you think? Something like that. Yeah. What do you yeah. think of the Welcome Collection? It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. from the science background. Yeah. And very successful. <laughs> you know they've had to shut down so as to make themselves bigger. Yeah, well, yeah. they've got their last yeah. So, no, Does everyone know this? So the yeah. Welcome Collection in Euston Road? It's 17 they're closing down. They've got the last exhibition. Okay. I don't know what the number is. I think it's something. Right. But I mean, I'm a graphic designer. I work for Imperial College London. So, of course, like you say, you know, I work on some things where I'm like, have a clue what they're going on about. But last year, and they're doing the next one now, they had the Imperial Festival. So, they were advertising obviously all around London. Yeah. Trying to bring not just students in, yeah. but the general public yeah. to yeah. learn about every yeah. Yeah. part of science that's yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, th- this is a this is a, uh, a sort of science cultural centre, I or medicine really more than because it's funded by the Welcome, and they've they've got a great line in. Well, the the director was a pioneer in sci art. Uh, so, so he's always having you know artists um, engaging with the with the subject, um, and you would think that if you go into one of their exhibitions, there isn't a clear le- sort of learning narrative, is there? You know. Yes, it's right. Yes, it's right. Was dirt was the dirt one before? It's about wasn't there? Arts from Japan, mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. with social people. Yeah. Where they've produced artworks, but you've yeah. got a cafe, yeah. you've got yeah, a right. bookshop, you've got the Old dark upstairs, yeah. the actual yeah. old yeah. dark, so you've got yeah. kind of everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, it's a, sort of science and sort of Tate Modern in a way, isn't it? You know, you have to, um, uh, be, you have to go in without pre, preconceptions of what, you, what you're going to, what you're going to see. I wish I worked there, I was, yeah. I was near there yesterday, yeah. but yeah. Um, they have the lunchtime talks as well. Yeah. So again, if you're just working locally, yeah. you know, yeah. it's advertised well enough, you think, oh, mm-hmm. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a good example of where those kind of public spaces for science are going. I mean, they've, they've um, um, uh, pioneered a lot of this kind of uh, engagement. You have to say it helps because of the welcome funding, so they can do an awful lot. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I think the subject matter for ourselves as well. Yeah. It's about actually showing connections with people's lives. Yeah, yeah. you're so right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So yeah. 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 In relativity, one could easily just talk about relativity and the talk now without ever mentioning Einstein. I know, that's right, yes. Your stockboard would be coming relatively. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take that as the last question, Sally, since I'm, but, or last comment, but, but I will respond to that. I mean, I think you're right. We do benefit from the fact that it's taught in school with names attached to and But why is it taught like that with names attached and so on? Because I think that is a useful... I mean, we want to be part of that human story. We want... We want if, if we're going to contribute to it, you know, we, it, it, it's, it's built by, by human beings like us. And we want to be part of it in, in, in moving it into the future. So I think that if, if, any, if, if we tried to teach science without there being some kind of human, human story attached to it, that would be very weird, wouldn't it? You know, because we don't teach anything else like that. We don't kind of you know, listen to this kind of weird bit of music and never mention that something called Beethoven wrote it. You know, it'd be, it'd be very, that would be the same thing, wouldn't it? You'd, you'd, you'd divorce the human story from the, from the cultural achievement. And, and I think, I mean, uh, science already divorces itself to some extent, but 
it's true that uh, the, the museum would have no role if it weren't for the fact that we, that we in, in our education system, we have some appreciation of a timeline associated with science. Um, but it's almost part of human nature that we have to have that association. You know, otherwise, we're not going to recognize it as a, as a creation of, of the human mind you know, in, as, as lived through the past. So, so I think we're probably safe in that respect. I can't see, I can't see it uh, as detaching ourselves from the human culture to that extent. OK. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please join us for our next sidebar talk on the 18th of April when Professor Michael Trimble will talk to us about why humans like to cry.